It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. It's four past six. Good morning. Welcome into Izzy and Kempe for breakfast here on SENZ. Good morning to you, Kempe, as well, mate, back in the studio from the far north. Good morning, Rick Dog. Yeah, man, it was a good little little excursion up there, actually. The weather was primo, absolutely primo over the last few days, and uh, got a little bit of uh, work out yesterday, came back, cruised back, got back last night, so... um, Sitting in the studio with you today, mate. Looking forward to Robbie grabbing us a coffee. Yeah, it should be good, mate, after his big wins over the well, weekend. He keeps telling us he's got plenty of pocketfuls of it, just yeah. dripping out of his you know, diamond rings he's got and all sorts going on, big gold chains. Yeah, well, you I... Get I, that pitch in your head? I, 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 bought, I, bought the, uh, I bought the round yesterday. I kept waiting for him to offer after you told us all about his win, but it didn't come, so I ended up buying the round yesterday, so... He's like, you sound like my, he sounds like my old man, yeah. He had, had a big win at the TAB on the weekend, son. Got plenty, he's like... Yeah, come on then. Yeah, yeah. a pie. Mate, well, mate, if you've got plenty, maybe you can pay for that <laughs> surgery to get your T-Rex arms extended, eh? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just shorten up or go and take your pants down to the down to the seamstress and sew those those deep pockets up and bring them up closer to your hands so you can put them in and get some of that money out. Yeah. That's for you, Robbie. I've got a name of a good seamstress, actually. Go nice with those nice shoes that you wear every day. Oh, there you go. Rob, you're getting sorted, getting your... You're getting your uh, your wardrobe sorted uh, via Kempe. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> you you sound ecstatic about the uh, I, I, situation. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah, that's what it sounds like, mate. I'll tell you what I know that Robbie can't wait for, and that is after eight o'clock. Pete McGlashan, former Black Caps wicketkeeper, is on. He's going to preview the Bangladesh uh, Black Caps Test series, which starts tonight. Oh, it's this afternoon. It's actually the timing works quite well. If you're a cricket fan in New Zealand. The test starts at four thirty in the afternoon. Yeah, and you can. Yeah, I know uh, one guy who will be definitely watching it. It's a guy who just finished the rural roundup, Andy, um, who absolutely loves his cricket. So that first test match against Bangladesh uh, today, the second one. December the 6th, I think it starts. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, test cricket back on the menu. Back on the menu. No, uh, no. Matt Henry, of course, he did his hammy at the World Cup, but they, I mean, if you. If you're going to send a fast bowler to Bangladesh where we know it's going to be spin-friendly conditions, you want somebody who's willing to bend their back and just smash the ball into the pitch and bounce them. And Is there a better option than Neil Wagner yeah. for that job? Well, yep. Yeah, I dare say that uh, there's going to be a number of players being used through this window, Rick, because there's plenty of test match coming up right through the year, from November to November 24. Um, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, India, Australia, all um, in the mix. So I'd say that I'd say that um, 
Wagner, Mr. Wagner, and a lot of others are going to get a crack at some stage. Yeah, we'll have South Africa here as well, mate. I'll tell you what, the, the Black Caps against South Africa, it's a bit like state of origin for cricket, isn't it? We've got so yeah. many Saffirs in our team. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, well, and some decent ones too yeah. at that. So, um, yeah, cricket, if you're into cricket, well, it's, uh, it's going to start today. And I think it's on three now, the app. Yeah, three now. I got coverage of the Bangladesh uh, Black Caps Test series. Yeah, so, so yeah. I think I suppose you download that, or you probably get that on terrestrial TV, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think so. I think if you've got uh, Sky as well, you know, you got TVNZ Plus. Well, it's like the TV three version of that is three now. Yeah. So yeah, it's basically you'll be able to watch it on there anyway, uh, and catch uh, the cricket live. Actually, got a cricket story for you around that, uh, but we'll get to that a little bit later on. Uh, David Long also coming up on the show, Kimpy, and you wanted to get David on after an article that he wrote the other day. He's coming on after seven. Well, you know the. Well, how do I put this? Rugby league used to be followed by a number of journalists back in the day. Peter Jessops, Aaron Lawton. Um, you know, they used to always write about rugby league and they weren't cheerleaders like some media people are um, who would just, you know, make sure that they get their tickets every year, I, I suppose, to go and watch the big games. But David Long came out and wrote a really good article yesterday and it was I thought it was really balanced and, and put it, I suppose, for in layman terms, for people that didn't actually understand what, what the discussion was about, about the New Zealand Rugby League and the decision around coaching. So um, spoke to David yesterday and said, you know, do you want to come on and have a chat about that um, that article? And he's coming on at 7 o'clock to talk through that because, mate, it's a hot topic. I've got, I got to say, it's all over Australia at the moment. Uh, you know, the Australians are basically saying that Madge was sacked. Um, he was pushed out. And, and that's just not the truth. The, tr- the truth of it we heard from Greg Peters yesterday was that he was, he was given... Um, a choice to coach New Zealand or coach New South Wales, and he chose New South Wales. Yeah, basically, you can't do both, so pick one. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting that Greg said it wasn't an ultimatum because I think that's the very definition of an ultimatum, isn't it? It's, you know, in a way, it's not an ultimatum, but it's an ultimatum. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It was interesting, but there you go. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, talk more of that, and we'll also talk to uh, Big Ben Rob, the big rig. He is coming on at seven forty because the World Darts Championships start in uh, next month. And they made a change to the board, Kimpy. So you know the triple twenty. Have they put the tw- have they put the triple twenty like way back on the back of the wall somewhere? <laughs> well, they've changed the colour, <laughs> which I reckon might be slightly off-putting. But they've made it green, so it's traditionally it's, not red. it's red. It's mm. but they've made it green, and so Ben Rob's going to come on, and we'll talk to Ben Rob about that because I'll be interested to get his take on it. And it just got me thinking for a, a sport that is so vision-based. Right, it's literally you standing there looking at something and trying to hit it. Green and red are the two colours that colourblind people mix up. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So that would uh, that, that's interesting too. I don't know if that's a factor or not, but uh, we'll get Ben Rob's uh, take on that around seven forty this morning. All right, let's get into this. Round one, fight. It is the triple threat. The three big questions of the day. Uh, looks like the black caps are set for a proper tour of Australia. So it's not just going to be, you know, a couple of tests or, you know, a few ODIs. It's actually going to be a proper tour, apparently. It's going to be extended to four tests, including a Boxing Day test at the MCG. Right, which is great. I mean, that's almost the pinnacle of cricket, isn't it? Playing the MCG on Boxing Day. What do you think is the equivalent in rugby league? Oh, for... There's actually two. 
there's, uh, I, th- I think an origin is one of them. Um, in rugby league, like we, we don't play enough test matches for it to be a test match because test matches are played at all different venues. But I think for an origin, if you were to to have your choice of going to origin, I've often said this to people, is you've got to go to the one in Brisbane. Yeah. You know, you've got to do the, the walk down past the Caxton and all that sort of, that whole whole night feel. Um, and the other one is the Challenge Cup at Wembley. You know, Wembley's, you, you've obviously seen Wembley, maybe been there, but Wembley's a pretty special place to go and play a game of rugby league. And I think back in, you know, I used to get up and watch it you know, two o'clock in the morning when they're playing. If you remember that that great game between Hull and, and Wigan, Brett Kenny on on the Wigan side and Peter Steely on the Hull side, but you also had Fred um, Arcoy, James Luluid, Gary Campbell, Dana Hara in the Hull side, um, and Westy over there in the Wigan side. You know, like it was, it just uh, you just couldn't believe how how many people would actually go down to Wembley to watch a game of rugby league. And and Wembley's not about Wigan and. Hull, for instance, going to watch it. It's the whole league community getting behind it. So I think for me, if there was rugby league equivalents, that those would probably be the two big games. The, the irony there is that uh, you know the mecca of rugby league in Britain is Wembley, and they don't play rugby league south of the Midlands. <laughs> no, no, it's a trip to London, isn't it? Yeah, you know, and it's it's changed all over the the years. You know, now they have the um, you know the the what do they call it the the big round here where oh all, the magic round the magic round no that's come out of England because they yep. play that they play that all over the place played it up in Wales St um, James's Park in Newcastle in Newcastle yeah, hosted it for a yeah, while so yeah so I think I think for a purist that goes way back um, for me I've just seen some of those you know I remember and and the good thing about Wembley too is the teams that are favourite don't always win it mm. you know it's one of those ones where you turn it on oh look I remember Sheffield winning it. Um, they were never meant to win it, and they went down and I can't even remember who they beat, but everyone had written them off. They were going to get tonked by thirty or forty, and they've come out and won it. and And I think that's the other good thing about Wembley is that if you go to Wembley, your team's in with a shot. Yeah, well, I mean it's a one off game, right? And mm-hmm. it's thirteen blokes on thirteen blokes on yeah. a piece of grass, so yeah, anything can happen. Yeah, no, it's interesting. All right, round two. Former Socceroo captain and Premier League player Lucas Neal is facing bankruptcy and potential jail time. He's just missed out on jail time, actually. Uh, despite earning 80000 Australian dollars a week during his career. Wow. How much post-career education is there? Because he basically, the reason that he was facing jail time is that they found $2 million in assets he didn't even know he had because, <laughs> because of how badly financially managed he had been. Yeah, how much? How much advice is there? Um, look, I think it's a, a a big area that isn't spoken about, Rick. You know, like because what happens when you've got you know money dripping out of your pockets is you know there's lots of temptation to go. I talk about one of them is gambling. Mm. Um, if you're in that in that realm, you know, like know a number of people that have been caught up with that, and we've seen that through the press. Well, the other Paul one, Paul Eiffel just did a story on it. I don't know if yeah. you saw that. Paul Eiffel said he gambled away about four million during his career. Yeah, and and that's you know one massive issue. The other and the other one is you have a lot of adv- you actually do have a lot of advisors when they know that you've got money, saying that this is the next best thing, and you do get you do get caught up on it. So. Um, you got to remember that a lot of people, a lot of these, especially in our sport, a lot of them come from, you know, a place where they don't have money to begin with, and then, 
you know, you're talking, you're talking, you know, if you're at the marquee top of the the table, up up around a million dollars a year. What are you going to do with it? You know, and be be really advi- um, good advice to to actually have someone that was was trustworthy, that was accredited, that was giving you advice on um, on career, but also post career, because that's the big problem. You go from which no one talks about. You go from eighty thousand a week, and and on this uh, this person, yeah, he went from eighty thousand a week to four hundred pounds a week. Yeah, now that is a massive change of lifestyle. And and of course, with that comes a lot of you know issues. And if you've if you haven't done your done your maths right, trying to trying to foot an eighty thousand um, dollar lifestyle pound eighty thousand pound lifestyle on four hundred pounds sort of won't work. No, does not work. And it got certainly got Lucas Neal in trouble. The uh, PFA uh, apparently helped a lot of players. They say there's probably there's hundreds, and some of them are even facing homelessness. It's that bad. Yeah. Um, and you know, the, the the good thing about the PFA, which I like, is actually they have a pension. I think every professional sport should have a pension, pension fund. Yeah. You know, and how far back do you go with that? You know, because there's, there's guys now that have come out of their career, they, and there are going to be lots of civil cases against sporting bodies, especially inju- around injury. Around head injury. Um that's going to happen in the future to say, well, you know, you need to foot the bills because what happens to a lot of the players too, once they finish footy, then they've got to foot their own medical bills. You know, I've got my own personal insurance. Mm. Um, it's a, It ain't cheap. No, no, it is definitely not you know, cheap. It, yeah. ain't, it ain't cheap for, for pers- personal medical insurance. And, you know, if, when, you're, when you're one of many players that you know have injuries and who don't have that personal insurance, then they just get pushed by the wayside. And, of course, you've got a governing body that does nothing about it. So one thing I did like from the PFA is that they do have a pension fund, and I dare say they have a medical fund as well to help players. Round three. You've heard of Iron Man, right, Kempi? Not the superhero, but the, the sport. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have you heard of Ultraman? Is that the one that Richie McCall does? Uh, I think it does. I think he might do some, something go. like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But how is this, mate? So this Ultraman in Hawaii. Here's what you do: you can t- uh, you go f- over 515 kilometers in three days, right? You start with a 10 kilometer ocean swim, and then a 145 uh, kilometer bike ride. The next day, a 276 kilometer bike ride, including hill climbs. And then on day three, a double marathon, 85 kilometres of running. Crazy. Crazy, right? So now here's a name to remember, Simon Cochran. He's a Kiwi. He has just completed this ultra marathon around Kona in Hawaii. Guess how much he won it by, time-wise? Something like that. So we're talking, we're talking, geez, would that go over two days, two or three days? Three days. Three days, okay. So he's won it by day. Well, no, not not quite that much, but forty-four minutes between him and second, right? That is massive. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You, the, the bloke, the bloke behind you, you can't even see. No, no, he's back. Question for you is: Is this the most impressive sporting achievement by a Kiwi this year? I'd have to say the craziest, <laughs> absolute craziest. Like I can't even comprehend it. You know, you have like swimming. A K is a long way. Yeah. A K is a decent swim. Swimming 10 Ks to start a race 
and then finishing with two marathons, like absolutely crazy. Um, the best I, part of just over 400k on the bike in between. I tell you what, we need to get him on. Yeah, all right, we'll track him down. Yeah, to, I would say the mentally toughest um, Kiwi that we have. Yeah. Because you've got to be absolutely focused in your mind to get through all that. The pain, you know, how do you train for something like that? Well, let's find out. Yeah. Let's find out. Okay, there you go. Those are your triple threat questions. If you've got any answers to those, get them through to us, Double eight, double three. Charlie's already come through. I don't know if he's talking here about the uh, uh, the greatest sporting achievement by a Kiwi in 2023, but he's going, what about the Kiwi rookie driver, Matthew Payne? All smiles after winning his first supercars race in Adelaide. He outpaced the newly crowned champion, Brody Kostecki, grabbed the maiden win at the Adelaide 500, uh, taking the hand uh, the mantle from uh, SVG. Yeah, well, we've got plenty of good drivers on um, every every type of racing at the moment, so it, it doesn't surprise me uh, that the Kiwis are... Uh, winning, still winning uh, in that in that um, that racing car realm. I got told ages ago about what racing is to New Zealand. Apparently, it's one of the most viewed sports in New mm. Zealand. You know, when you I don't know if you ever remember, but when we were younger, you turn the TV on and it would just have car racing on. Yeah, people going round and round tracks. Apparently. Lots of Kiwis like watching that. Yeah, 100%. Well, I, I don't do it every weekend, but Bathurst weekend. Yeah. That's the only one I really know. Yeah, well, my uncle, my uncle, big, big uh, GM, or well, Holden man, he always had Monaros. Big Peter Brock man. If you if you want to talk to my uncle, you you, you got to do it when Bathurst's not on because it's like when Bathurst is on, you want to go around, that's fine, but you're watching the race and you're not talking rubbish. You're just watching the race and talking about the race. Yeah. You do not interrupt it for anything else. So Are you a Holden man or a Ford man? Uh, Holden. But because I grew up with like my uncle's 10 years older than me, so he's almost more like a big brother than an uncle, if you, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he always had Bonaros. So, so, yeah, we'd go cruising. I'm a Ford man. Are you? Yeah. Oh, yeah you can fix or like repair the, daily. I like the... <laughs> Found on rubbish dump. I like the, X, I like the XYs, XWs, oh, yeah. XA, XAs. That's why those new Ford utes have got drink holders <laughs> in the tray, so you've got somewhere to put your See, water when you're pushing I knew, it. I knew that. Yeah. I knew that yeah. you would start straight away. What are you? Double eight, double three. You're Holden or a Ford supporter? I just, I just thought Holden's were too slow. Not when Peter Brock was driving them, mate. <laughs> or Shane Van Gisbergen, for that matter. Hey, hey, it's 22 past six. Double eight, double three is the temper bedpost text machine. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, keeping you healthy this spring. It is 627 0800 150 811 or double eight, double three is how you can get hold of us. Uh, plenty to come on the show and plenty to talk as well. Charlie said, look, hard to feel sorry. For highly paid sports stars, they're, they're the lucky few who have the good start, but I agree they need better advice. Yeah, look, I, I, I don't think it's you know you having to feel sorry for them. I think the question is is there better support around them when they're going? I call it I call it like a, from a, a mini to a Ferrari. I use a car analogy when you're talking about it. Not mm. to sixty in six seconds. You know what I mean? It, it's a it's a totally different lifestyle. You got to remember when you're selling Coke bottles and milk bottles to get some change so you can have some fun, and then all of a sudden people are fighting over you with a contract. Um, it, you haven't been brought up with the knowledge of what you what you need to do with money. So money's foreign to some people, and they burn through it. They burn through it. You know, I've seen so many players, they burn through it. They buy cars. Um, I've told that story about, I don't know if I've ever told that story about Manu Vatave showed up with his first contract when he bought a car. Yeah. And... Uh, 
came into training and said, "What was what's that you got?" I just went and bought myself a car. I actually phoned the um, the car dealer up because he stung him on his on his contract, you know, because it was a finance contract. And he said, "Mate, you take you taking the piss. It's old money. Take the car back." Yeah, you know, and and that's the sort of stuff that happens. And of course, when you're getting plenty of money, and then you start getting introduced to people, and then. W- there's some real sharks out there that say, hey, mate, I've got the next best deal for you. This is a business opportunity. And yeah, I can rattle off tens of, of business opportunities that's been thrown your way um, or people that have got involved with it and they've lost their shirt, you know, and got caught with it. And the fundamental part of that question is you go from zero to 60 and what do you do with it? Is there enough advice around what to do with it? And then, of course, when you come out at the back end of it, a very good friend of mine came out of it. I, I worked out he probably earned about $5 million in his career, which is quite a lot when you think about it. And um, he ended up coming up, living with his mum, painting houses as a painter's labourer. Yeah, just you because know? it all went sideways. Well, just didn't, didn't, he didn't set himself up. Um, so it's a, it's, it is a really tough one. There's so much to talk about when you're, when you're in that realm. And... and but there's some good stories too. People come out of it and they've been invested, you know, invested right and and been able to to, to make it. You know, the, a, a good story is Anna McDougal, you know, with the, with the manshake. Yeah. You know that, that manshake story is phenomenal. You know, and he's made it. He's cracked it. Put his his, his balls on the line and got through it. Um, and again, there's a handful of those stories too. So some some blokes know what to do with it, but a hell of a lot get caught in the trappings that surround. Um, Surround you when you've got dollars dripping out of your pocket, and gambling is a big one. Yeah, gambling is yeah, that that is one you hear a lot of horror stories about. So, uh, re- recommend you go head to stuff.co.nz to look up that story on Paul Eiffel. That's pretty eye opening on that front. Actually, that only came out uh, into last week. That story. Uh, it is half past six here on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Here's Araha with news for Kubota. Kubota's in stock catalogue is out now. Thank you very much, Aroha. We're 27 away from Seven Flight Centre's big red sale is on with limited time offers on flights, cruises, holidays and tours. Book now to save big. Here's some sports headlines for you. Double Olympic Games gold medalist Jerry Tuwai has been left out of the Fijian Seven squad for the opening rounds of the HSBC Seven Series in Dubai and Cape Town. Head coach Ben Gollings didn't include the 34-year-old, who according to local media reports has been concentrating on his coaching and interests outside of rugby. Fiji will attempt a remarkable third successive gold medal when they in, appear in the Paris competition, but it seems Tuwai will not be a figure in that campaign. So that'll be uh, one to watch and maybe something that goes in the favour of uh, the All Black Sevens. Uh, Wales have been dealt a fresh injury blow. Former New Zealand under-21 Lucy Tane Plumtree, the son of John Plumtree, is set for a lengthy spell on the sidelines. The 23-year-old faces surgery on a shoulder problem and it doesn't look like he'll be fit in time for the Six Nations in February. Scarlet's head coach Dwayne Peel said he is not going to be fit for a while and likely going to need surgery on that shoulder. And uh, speaking of uh, the cricket series we were talking about, um, we've got Peter McGlashan after eight on this, but head coach of Bangladesh, uh, Chandika Huthra Singh, said that they need to move on from their senior players, saying it's a transition phase and an exciting one for cricket in their country. Regular captain Shakib Al-Hassan, Deputy Captain Lytton Das and Taskin Ahmed, uh, who is the main pace bowler, have all been ruled out of the series. Shakib is recovering from a finger injury. You remember in the in the Cricket World Cup yeah. where the Sri Lankan guy, uh, Angela Matthews, got 
given out for um, not taking garden time. He got basically yeah, timed right. out. Yeah. Well, Shakib was the guy that that appealed it. for it, right? Yeah. So uh, so that's that guy. Uh, but he got a finger injury in that game, broke his finger and is still recovering. Tuscan is managing a shoulder niggle. Uh, well, Bangladesh cricket have getting, given Lytton some time off uh, to be with his family. He's having a paternity break. So there you go. Those are some sports news headlines, but it looks like it'll be very much a uh, developmental Bangladeshi side that the Black Caps do face. Uh, and uh, we've got some NFL news for you as well, Kimpo. I don't know if you uh, caught much of the NFL yesterday. There are a whole bunch of games on, but... Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. He continues. Wow, what a... You know, do you see how many tr- uh, how many touchdowns... I was going to say tries. How many touchdowns he scored yesterday? Four. All in the second half of the game. Uh, the he's, Eagles... hurt, he's hurting. He's hurting still after that Super Bowl loss. Oh, mate. Well, that was 31 each. Went in overtime. The Bills kicked a field goal. They were up 34-31. And then he runs in a 12-yard overtime touchdown uh, to win the game. The Eagles improved to 10-1. and It is the best record in the NFL uh, ahead of the 9-3 and Ravens. Get on. Oh, mate, how good. But it didn't end there because uh, Shaq Lawson, who's the defensive end for the Bills, Ended up in a in an argument with a bit, uh, with an Eagles fan, and uh, they were they were getting into it on the stand, and apparently he uh, pushed this Eagles fan over, uh, and then ha- other players had to come <laughs> in and take him away. And as he's being led away, the Eagles fan gets up and is just giving it to him as he's taking him away. Uh, so yeah, I don't know if we're going to hear more on that, but uh, potentially. So there you go. Those are some uh, sports headlines for you particularly around the NFL. You can catch every NFL game this season with Game Pass only on DAZN. Visit nfldazone.com forward slash NFL. Now, uh, earlier when we were talking about uh, players uh, getting set up and education around the money that they're getting, uh, Joe called through. We didn't have time to take it because we had to get to news, but Joe is with us now. Morning, bro. How are you? Yeah, morning, gentlemen. How's it going? Not too bad, thank you, mate. Not too bad. Now, did you want to talk about uh, the ultra marathon? Or are you wanting to talk about player contracts? Oh, mate, I had the privilege to run a few players for a while there mm. overseas, and uh, yeah, just kind of listening to some of the feedback there when one of your one of your listeners is like, "Well, how to get a great start," you know. But Kimby's right, you know. You get these kids come out of come out of school, and they all come from low socioeconomic areas, and then you get planted with a for example, a Super Rugby contract was worth 180 grand, and then you make the All Blacks, and then you get endorsements. So you go from nothing to everything. And unless you've got good people around you who can put structures in place, yeah, then therefore you find a lot of people who end up spending everything they've got, living paycheck to paycheck, regardless of the paycheck. So I'll give you a couple of examples. One All Black company out of Gisborne, wife is very switched on. They took his entire earnings and lived on her salary. Now, very successful post-rugby, plenty of properties, plenty of development, plenty of investment for their kids. Take another couple of guys I know who spent everything that they could get their hands on, like you were saying, Kimpy, got hooked with people offering them business ideas, liking being the big man in the middle of a, of a deal, all went to custard and they were just there for, for their money. So you do find, and the fact is, even in New Zealand, 70% of professional athletes end up borderline broke at the end of mm. their time. Yeah, which yep. is heartbreaking, but which means agents and people around them, gentlemen, are not looking after, not looking after their players. No, they're not. I, I, we were just having a conversation off air, Joe, and I it would be interested to get your take on this. And it not not just to do with professional athletes, but just people in general. You know, I was, I was saying how often 
Uh, how many algebra lessons did you snore through at college? And how often have you used algebra since? Right, and, and I'm just using that as one example, but there's plenty of things that the school system makes you do that you never use post-secondary uh, post school. Wouldn't we be better off introducing sort of uh, budgeting classes uh, alongside your economics and things like that so people understand how tax works, how income works, how paying bills works, how credit cards work, etc.? Exactly, and that, that's actually been done. A friend of ours has developed a system called Banker, which is now introduced into primary schools to help them understand that exact thing, Rick Dog. But what you find is that even in society day to day, right, people aren't looking after people. And the more money you have, that you become a target. And so what you find is like with a lot of sports people, the, the actual industry or the sector that they're in, take rugby, for example, rugby league can be... They need to be withholding like a retention payment in construction, mm. a portion of their wage in a, in, in a facility you can't touch. So when you officially retire, you can get that bump back. And it gives you that, that landing pad for when you exit the sport and look to adjust your spend. And what you find is like with people who are 80,000 quid a week down to 400 quid, right? They, they don't see the dollar sign. They just see what the value is allows them to do. Have yeah. a private jet to having a bicycle. So what you find is that there need to be those parameters put around people. Even when you get a good job, you know, you come out of school, you become a builder, and you, you get your first mortgage. You, you know, the mortgage advisor or the banker advising you, you can't do that because it's past your limit. But when you're a sports star and you don't get no very often, people extend you credit. They extend you uh, overdrafts because they see you as a facility for them to earn from. And that's one thing that, that you see in sports. Because your sports window is a maximum. I mean, Kempi's an exception of 17 years. But, you know, the average rugby player, professional rugby player in New Zealand is six years. The average league player is four years. The average NFL player is 24 games. Mm. And that's what we don't see. We see it as a privilege to get there, and everyone says, wow. And then if you're one injury away from having to go on the dole, pretty much. It's really interesting, Joe, just to, to finish up on this conversation. The, the player manager gets a 6 to 10%. Yep, yeah, that's a given. And the and the yep. club and the club get their money and the player get their the play, the club get their player and the player gets the money. Like structurally, what they should do is they should percentage out the payments. You know, X amount out into a retirement fund. You get that when you retire. Um, X amount out into a, a a health fund that that gives you personal health insurance and so on. And then that negotiation. That's what player agents should be negotiating about. Then you have the the money that gets given to you that you decide whether or not you want to invest. But there's three or four payments that should actually be deducted that look after you post your career before a player actually is, even sees it. What you find, Kim, is that in in France, for example, your agent commission is paid on top of the contract, so it doesn't actually come out of the player's money. It comes from the club. It's like a transaction fee. Whereas in New Zealand, your, your percentage comes out of the player's um, salary. So there, there are points of difference where you deal around the world, but you're dead right that at some point we need to look in the future, just like they're doing with the HIA, right? Mm. So they've seen that issue coming forward for players retiring with, with massive head issues and, and health issues. We need to do that with the finances. And, and it especially affects our Polynesian whānau here in New Zealand because what a lot of people don't realise is they support a village. They don't just support their own whānau. They are supporting hundreds of people in the islands to keep them alive. And they, they are the ones who need the assistance. 
and the skill set put around them so they can actually enjoy their hard-earned their hard-earned labour because at the end of the day they're the ones who are having to retire after 15, 20 years bashing themselves up and then go find another career. Yeah, no, you're dead right. Joe, thanks a lot for coming in this morning, mate, and joining us for breakfast. It's a, it's a fantastic conversation to have, and uh, hopefully we can we can see in the future players that are actually coming out of the game, not even having to worry about what their future looks like. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, love, love the call, Joe. Thanks very much, mate. Uh, talk again soon. It is 17 away from 7 when we come back. It's Love Racing. They go to war, the two-year-olds. It's Poetic Champion, tackled now by his Velocious down the outside. Still there also is Bellatrix Star. Velocious! Oh, she went boom at the 100. And Velocious, oh, that's two from two. She's a good one. Second over Bellatrix Star, third Poetic Champion. And yeah, that's right. Find a thoroughbred race at events.loveracing.nz. If you didn't see that on the weekend, Velocious winning that two-year-old race at Pukekoi, then you need to go back and watch that replay on Love Racing. The undaughter, uh, unbeaten daughter of Ritten Tycoon was bred by Gus and Bianca Wigley's North Canterbury Nursery, who will also be offering her half-sister next year's New Zealand Bloodstock National, uh, National Yields, uh, Yearling Sale at Karaka. And uh, there's going to be plenty of people interested in it in that uh, Philly, uh, Valacious followed up her debut success at Tarapa with a hollow victory in Saturday's Listed Counties Challenge Stakes 1100 at Pukekoda earned $3 favouritism for the country's richest juvenile event. And that richest juvenile event is the two-year-old Karaka Millions where Valacious has been uh, shortened in after that race to $3.00. But I'm gonna I'm gonna tip it out. I'm gonna tip it out right now. It's being boosted on the TAB to four dollars, and I think you should jump on. I think you should take the four dollars because if you go back and watch that race, Sam Spratt has no reason to win that race. They they jump from the inside. She goes straight to the back, um, gets pushed back because they're two year olds, aren't they? And they're jumping out all over the place and they're going hell for leather around the corner. So then when she gets to the straight and she gets. Um, stuck on the rail, she has to pull Valacious back and take it across four horses to regain its feet to start its race again, a couple of hundred out. And then if you watch it win, it wins by three lengths. It goes past them at such That's a, a rate. It's a great ride. It's a great ride by Sam Spratt. It goes, she goes past them at such a great rate, and Valacious absolutely tells them up. And in that race um, that, that Valacious wins, are the next favourite. So you got Bellatrix Star. That's uh, the TAB odds for Bell- Bellatrix Star in that same race is is, is blown out. Um, as well as, hang on, I'm just having a look here. As well as on, I just lost that. Um, sorry, just lost that's that. Right, mate. That's as right. the as the other other horses around it. So if you're looking to have a a bet, and I know we uh, there's no races today. Get on the TAB. Go to go to uh, TAB Racing, go across to uh, Futures, look down to TAB Specials, and you will see in there a horse called Valacious. It's been boosted out to four dollars, and I think you should take it because he ain't gonna start. She ain't gonna start four dollars when it comes to Cracker Millions Day. Uh, that's your Love Racing update featuring Peking Duck Sir Dave Dobbin, the Black Seeds. It's one hot ticket. Yes, that's what they call the Grand Tour. There's still plenty of that to come during the summer here, especially as Valacious goes out and gets us paid on Cracker Million Day at Ellerslie Park. Can't wait.
Yeah, it's going to be uh, going to be a massive race, and as you said, there's so many uh, great young horses coming out of New Zealand at the moment. Kempi, lots to follow, lots to keep an eye on, and uh, lots to fill Robbie's pockets, who uh, is only nine minutes away from ordering his coffee because that's when the coffee shop sh- opens at seven o'clock. So here, we, here we go. I'll just give it. Sorry, I just found it. Uh, Bellatrix Star eight dollars about last night, ten dollars, and Poetic Champion out to ten dollars. So Valacious in the three dollars boosters of four, very good money. Excellent money. Excellent money, some would say. Uh, your text, double eight, double three. We'll get to those next. It's eight away from seven. Double eight, double three is the Tampa Bedpost text machine. We're three away from seven o'clock, and uh, Adam has sent this one through. Hey, regards the chat with Joey. I'd love to see every league player, super rugby player, netballer, footballer, etc., being put through university or polytech training whilst playing professionally. For example, here's your Crusaders contract. Now, what profession do you want to do post-football? We can set you up with Arrow, Canterbury Uni, or Lincoln. 100%. 100%. You know, and, and the, the sad thing about that is that a lot of us didn't actually know what we were being taught at school as far as the reasons we were being taught it. English, maths, geography, um, science, for instance. Now, I didn't see, I didn't know that English, for instance, was a good precursor for law. Yeah. I had no idea, you know, so, science um, and, and mathematics for, you know, um, being like a, a, a pilot. Yeah, or a rocket scientist. Or a rocket or, scientist. You know, like, yeah. like just didn't know that that whole education pathway is set up. So I think there's a step before that. I think the step is, first and foremost, let them know what education is about and the pathway that education leads you down. You know, he's, I, I'm just, I, I did a cross for a great mate of ours on the show, Mark, um, the rig from Tauranga, sent us a, sent us a, um, a, a message on the weekend and said, can you send this out to, it's about truancy, about why kids need to go back to school. So 100%, you know, all over it. This is exactly what we want to do. And the message basically was, you know, because what kids don't realise is when you leave school, you actually got to go to work. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like, school's good fun, man. Work is hard work. That's that's what you got to do. If you haven't got a good work ethic um, and, you're, and you're truant from school, well, you're not going to have a good work ethic. You're not going to f- really find it that easy to get a job. And then life becomes really difficult. Um, so I think a lot of the truancy is around kids just absolutely don't understand school. They're not told about it. And because they're too hard in the too hard basket, a lot of these programs that are written for school should be written about actually getting the message through to kids of what of a 30-year decision around how to look after their future. Not, not these one-year, two-year goals. Mate, you get education. You looked after your life for thirty years, forty yeah. years. If you do it right, if you do it right, mate. Otherwise, you end up talking rubbish on a radio station. <laughs> uh. Well, that's not. You end up. That's that's like what do you call that? That's the good stuff that you get to do. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, here's Araha with the latest in news and sport. Thanks to Kubota, Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now. Kia ora and welcome into Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. It is four past seven. It's also tradies hour with night and day. Start your morning with a hell of a coffee from just $4.50 at your local night and day. Coming up shortly, David Long from stuff.co.nz. We're going to talk an article, uh, an opinion piece he wrote about Michael Maguire, the Kiwi's job and uh, all the fallout from that. We're also going to catch up the big rig, uh, the big rig, I should say, Ben Robb, uh, the Darts World Championships uh, not too far away uh, just next month, and they've made a big change 
and uh, we'll talk to him about that, get his take on it as well. Uh, all of that and more coming your way this hour. Uh, to keep your texts coming through as well, Double eight, double three. I thought this one was quite nice, Kempi. Uh, uh, I love racing uh, 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 comment here from Craig saying, mate, tipping a horse not trained by Tiakia, <laughs> the Karaka Million, is a brave move. And very, very, very brave. And I know why he's put that. You know why he's put that there, eh? Why's that? Because they've never lost one. Yeah, there you go. And uh, I'm, I'm gonna say, Craig, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, first one they lost. Oh, really? Relacious. Okay. I'm that confident. There you go, Kempi's putting it out there. It is five past seven now. Uh, he's been a writer for Stuff.co.nz for a long time. One of the senior sports writers there covers rugby league in depth for them as well. That is David Long. He joins us this morning. Good morning, David. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks. Uh, good morning. Thanks. Yep. Training. Yeah, thanks for having, uh, thanks for coming on, mate. Uh, it was great to read your opinion piece yesterday because I think, you know, too many people um, or a lot of people sort of just focus on the thirty nil win over the Kangaroos and 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 nothing beyond that. But for me, uh, that is like being absolutely stoked. You've been given an Oreo milkshake with the whipped cream on the top and all the bits and the big fancy straw coming out of it, uh, but you're not thinking about the cow. <laughs> <laughs> Right, yeah, that's an unusual way to look at it. Uh, <laughs> not on myself, to be honest, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, it was a special day. Unfortunately, also be remembered for um, a day when not many, that many people turned up to watch them play, really, which was, uh, which, which was very sad. How um, few people were in Hamilton that day, but it was an incredible day. And, you know, I've, I've read it, it's one of the best days, you have to say, one of the best days in the history of rugby league in New Zealand to, to beat Australia like that. But, um, you know, how quickly things have changed and we're already, um, we're looking for for a new coach, and um, I think uh, just on that though, I think the the, the experience in this uh, Kiwis team means that they can they can sort of continue momentum. Won't be like starting again under a new coach when you've got guys like James Fisher Harris, uh, Nelson Osofa Tolomona, uh, Joe Manu, and, and and the others. You know, it's uh, you, you're talking about world class experienced players. You know, who mm. can quite easily help any, any new coach that comes into the team to continue on how they've been going. Yeah, and everyone sort of misses that point, um, don't they, David, that the talent doesn't change. The talent doesn't change, and, and the talent has been getting gradually better for the last 20 years to so the position where now they go out and they can beat Australia by 30 points. And, and they've had good um, examples of that since 2008. They win the World Cup, 2010, they win the Four Nations. Um, they cut, They come out, they, they win tournaments. They go to number one in 2012. They um, end up with this win of 30-0 on the weekend. So it says that talent doesn't change. So the focus then comes back on, well, what is the coaching position here in New Zealand look like? I'm just going to read something that you wrote yesterday, and, and this is a quote from Michael Maguire. I never wanted to go, but the NZRL want to go on a different path, and I just want to wish them well. Now, what do you think Michael Maguire means by that, and what do you think the NZRL said to Michael for him to make that point? Well, I think, um, you know, I think what Michael means is that this path is that they wouldn't let him do both jobs, you know, and I write that. It goes on there to say that the NZR didn't want to change the path that they were on. Um, but Michael's the one who's made this decision. Um, you know, I, I, I know, like, when, you know, when um, people talk about the process and they had to sort of um, make a decision and uh, that Michael couldn't do both jobs. You know, and but I also, I think, um, 
you know, I mean, I think I, what Michael did, I think I'm, I'm quite critical of it in terms of like, you know, he, he did an incredible job for the Kiwis after all they, for all those years. Um, and then as soon as he got offered the New South Wales jobs, he's ready, he's willing to dump everything he's done, everything he's built and achieved just to coach uh, New South Wales in state origin for three games in a year. You know, and, and I do think it brings into question his loyalty to, to, the, to the Kiwis to, to do that and to, and to be so quickly to dump him. And if he didn't get his own way to do both jobs, then he had the choice, you know, um, to do... He's in, in NZRL said to him, look, you can't do both. You either stay with the Kiwis or you go to New South Wales. And he went to the New South Wales. And I think that's very disappointing him to do that. Yeah. And, and talk, talk a little bit about that... Um, that discussion, because I think you've mapped that out really well in and around the conflict that you would have if you decided to do both and you and you had a choice, because this is all about the Australians changing rules to suit origin, and you, and you map that out in and around player eligibility. If a player decides to play origin, for instance, and, and Michael's got that kid in New South Wales, he's a Kiwi but wants to play origin, he actually then goes into the Australian pathway system, doesn't he? Because it's he then he can play for Australia or he can play second tier at at um, at the Pacific Island level. So just explain to our listeners what you actually mean by that. You know, that's right, yeah, it's, it's, an, uh, it's an, the option to play... Um, to play for, uh, play for New South Wales or Queensland and Samoa and Tonga, um, you know, is an appealing one for players who are eligible for both because they can, also eligible for New Zealand because because they can get the money for on the prestige of playing Origin football, and then they can also um, play rep footy for the for Samoa or Tonga. It, you know, and, and I think it's. Uh, I don't, I don't know how Michael would why he would handle any situations like that. I, I haven't heard him say anything how he would, would do that. How he talked to a player who's eligible for both. How, what happened he well? You know, does he say to you come and play for New South Wales, or does he say go and play for New Zealand? Uh, and it's an impossible situation, and it doesn't happen too often. I know it's not, it's not a hell of a lot of players like that, but there are players like that, you know, um, and. Uh, uh, I just think it, it, it's too awkward for, for, for well, and as the NZRL board thought as well. You know, it's too difficult for for and it's to work around that situation. So let's talk about the it doesn't happen too often because that's a really interesting comment when I hear that. It doesn't happen too often. Back in my day, us beating the kangaroos or even thought about being number one in the world. Okay, that's never, never happened that often. Well, it, it has happening often. In origin, it never happened that often. Okay. Well, there was never Kiwis or Pacific Islanders playing an Origin level. That's never too never never happened at all. But now it's happening, and I can give you three examples of that, and I can give you a, sh- a shitload more of them that now go from Origin and go back to Pacific Nation. So, progressing forward another ten years, it is a massive problem if we get this this position wrong, isn't it? And that policy that they have about getting the best coach, I said to Greg Peters yesterday, well. It should have an extra wording in there saying that you can't coach New South Wales, Queensland or Australia because the conflict in 10 years' time is probably going to be worse, don't you think? Uh, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. And the, the situation, um, you know, in my opinion, the situation needs to be changed where um, you, don't have, you don't have Tier 1 and Tier 2 nations. You don't have players um, uh, able to do what the Tongan... If, if, if you play for Samoa and Tonga and still play Origin... Um, which which does uh, it's kind of make it harder for players to choose New Zealand because there is that option 
because uh, the option is, is, is more uh, tantalising in some ways. So, David, just on the on the the, I guess the process of talking to, um, you know, and they have never spoken to me the New Zealand Rugby League. You know, I've got a voice in media and and an opinion, as you know, um, but the process of actually talking to ex Kiwis, senior players, and taking on board comments. We actually complain when that doesn't happen. Now we're complaining when it does happen. Mm, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and it's interesting. Michael said to, um, I think he said on, on one news on Monday night that he's spoken to senior players and they were they were behind him. So there's obviously about a different bunch of senior players that are telling talking to him than talking to the NZRL. But I think it is right. I think they I think um, it was a very difficult situation that the NZRL Greg Peters got put in that this all exploded in the media. Uh, just on the eve of the Pacific Championships and how and how they dealt with it, um, you'll see Michael dodged questions many many times during the whole campaign about what his future future was. But we, you know, with Greg, he um, he sort of parked it and said, "Look, let's just get through this campaign." Um, there was plenty of the Australian media said it was already been green, given the green light that he'd be able to do both jobs during it. And from all my conversations with um, with Greg during during that period and the others, it was it was certainly not the case that. That the NZRL ball were just going to lie uh, lie down and accept that he was going to, Michael was going to do both jobs, and they looked at it, um, gave it serious consideration as soon as the, as soon as the championships was finished, and um, that was a decision that was made. I think you know it was, it was a tough one, but I think the NZRL handled this very well. Yeah, I've, I think they've done the right thing uh, for New Zealand Rugby League long term. Where do you think they will go next, David? Everybody assumes it's going to be Kalis or Jones, but there's no reason why they couldn't go back to Australia and find another coach there that they could bring through uh, to do what Madge has done. They could do, yeah. Um, I think it was, um, well, you mentioned yesterday, Willie Poaching as well. Is a, is a very... Um, you know, a good, good thing to put out there as well as someone who's done a lot as a coach in New Zealander. It's a difficult... I mean, you, you know, it's a difficult to see how you place that because, you know, just for, you know, remember Stephen Kearney was the, was the Kiwis coach and he um, he quickly jumped out of that to and left him in the lurch a bit to go and coach uh, the Warriors. Um, it's, it's the same thing for, in, you know, if you think of football as well, you know, International coaches, Gary Southgate, is that seen as like the, top, the pinnacle job in coaching for, for England in football? I don't think so. Club, a, a club coach in, in NRL, this is the Premier League, that's the thing, I think that's where most coaches regard as the pinnacle rather than coaching in a club. Um, so you've got to find the right person who, who is maybe ambitious, but maybe ambitious long term, but is very happy um, uh, to be where he is for now, and I think and uh, the two obvious candidates, I think, obviously, are Nathan Kalis and Stacey Jones. And I think Nathan seems to be more when you look at how his coaching career has gone, more sort of uh, on an upwards path, and was more sort of heading towards eventually becoming an NRL coach. Well, with Stacey, I don't think it's really his uh, what's driving him. He, you know, he's, he was a Kiwis, sorry, he was a um, Warriors um, interim coach for last. Uh, last year for uh, for half a season when Nathan Brown left, uh, I think he'd be happy. He'd be more happy and content doing his Warriors job uh, and also doing the Kiwis without sort of being as ambitious that he would be, he would dump the Warriors, uh, the, the Kiwis, and leave him in the lurch like others have done. And, you know, he, uh, um, and certainly with the with the with the reputation that Stacey's gone and what he's done for the Kiwis over the years, 
you know, I think he'd be an outstanding coach for the Kiwis. Yeah, I, I yeah, can't can't argue with it. I I, I think uh, as you said, Kalis feels more like a head coach, and some people are better head coaches, and some people are better assistants. So mm. we'll have to see what they do on that front. I just wanted to address something, David. We had a text through, and we've had a few of these texts through, and I've had messages through as well. Uh, we've got a guy who listens to us quite a lot out of Christchurch. Uh, we call him Mark, size twelve, because he's got the big paddles. Uh, and and Mark has texted through, and he said, "Boys." You guys are just guessing. It's plain as day that for some reason you don't like Maguire. How about getting him on the station, get his point of view, instead of getting people on that are guessing of what he thinks? Now, uh, what I want you to, uh, to 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 put to bed for us, David, is you have talked to Michael Maguire. The people on the station have talked to Michael Maguire. And we are reporting basically what he said. So this is his point of view. He's had an opportunity to go, hey, stay and coach the Kiwis if you want, but you can't do the Blues job or go and coach the Blues and leave the Kiwis. That was his decision, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah, that's right. There was there was no... He was given a, a, a simple choice. You know, you can't do both jobs. You can carry on doing this one if you want, or you can do the other one. And uh, at the end of the day, he said he'll do the other one. That's it. Yeah, and that's... Yeah, sorry, Mark. Sales, again, you know, with that type of... Uh, question and you're probably going to end up with a wooden spoon mate if you're not listening to, <laughs> to what people are actually saying. Um, David so when you're, when you're talking about that you know you're really talking I love the way that you're talking around you know about it's about a person that isn't um, I guess worried too much about this ego ego side of the NRL and the Australian way because for so long we've been the, the, the poor cousin of, Austra- of Australia. You know they've got the the glitz, the glam, the origin, and so on, and, and little old New Zealand struggling every day to, to to rub two coins together to get their their community going. So, in that in that sense, when a when a coach gets appointed, it's sort of this is what people are missing out. It sort of means more to New Zealand if they if they have that opportunity in New Zealand to become their Kiwi coach as a Kiwi. And do you think if it is Stacey Jones, then you know? That's sort of the decision that will help, I guess, our our people continually th- um, thrive to be in the New Zealand pathway because pathways at the moment are just non-existent. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, one of the great things that they did this year was have the um, the Kiwis A team. You know, just to show another another bunch of players, uh, NRL players, that this is the key. This is the pathway you could be on with the Kiwis, and it was fantastic. I think what they did, and they had them in the same hotel. Uh, same trade training together as well, um, just to, to widen the squad um, and, and the players got you know the, the player pool that they've got available for that. Um, uh, you know, and I think that's one of the things that was to be commended for for this year. Um, but I think as well, um, in terms of the public perception of the Kiwis as well, I think it's gonna it's it's taken a while for it to to build back up um, because it's been. It's been so rarely that they played in New Zealand over the last few years, and not just because of COVID, but just because of trying to have tests in uh, in New Zealand, and especially against Australia, who who rarely play and rarely 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 play in New Zealand. But it just means the, the more the chances they get, the more opportunities people will get. It will build that brand up in um, in New Zealand, and hopefully you'll see we will see kids walking around in Kiwis jerseys, like we see them walking around in Warriors jerseys, or or um, uh, All Blacks jerseys in the future. Uh, I think the Kiwis is an incredible, incredible team, an incredible brand. You know, and as you know, being part of it yourself, Tony. 
uh, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, it's one of the teams that we should be cherishing in New Zealand, and I just hope that they uh, um, more more days like what happened in Hamilton a few weeks ago, you know, will continue to build up the Kiwis. Yeah, that's what we hope. That's what we hope, David. I hope uh, they can continue the good work that Madge McGuire has done in the job. Uh, thanks very much for your time this morning, mate. And keep up the good work at stuff.co.nz, eh? Yeah, thanks very much. Thanks, guys. Cheers, Dave. Uh, David Long there with us from stuff.co.nz. If you haven't read his opinion piece, uh, it is well worth the read, and it certainly outlines a few things. What did you think of that? Let us know, double eight double three or 0800 150 811. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, keeping you healthy this spring. 726 0800 150 811 or 8833 is how you get hold of us. So just to read you something uh, quickly from that opinion piece uh, from David Long at stuff.co.nz. He says here, Michael Maguire says he's shattered. He's no longer the Kiwis coach, but he's brought the situation upon himself. He has shown his true colours and they're blue, not black. It's saddening I can't go on, I'm shattered. He said, I never wanted to go, but NZRL wanted to go on a different path. I just want to wish them well. And this is what David says next. He says, let's just pause for a moment and reflect on that. New Zealand Rugby League didn't want to go in a different direction. They were happy to keep Maguire. It was Maguire that wanted to go in a different direction. No one held a gun to his head and told him he had to coach New South Wales. So that's uh, some of the stuff that David wrote in there, which is a very good read. Uh, Mark has come back to us and said, why not speak to Maguire? Lots of people have, mate. And that's what it's come down to, basically, is New Zealand Rugby League said, hey, look, you know, we're happy to have you. Uh, and this isn't about wanting to get Maguire out of the job. It's just saying you can't do both because of the, uh, you know, th- there's a clash there, all right? So that, that's why. So people have spoken to Maguire, and that's basically what it came down to. Uh, Nick has said, you keep that guy David on. He's got good insights into the league world. You agree with you. He does a very good job there at stuff. And uh, Neil said, a national coach is more than a good selector motivator. Um, is more a good selector yeah. motivator and good man within the team than a technical coach. Yeah, and that, this was the point that I was making about the talent. Like... The talent has progressively been getting better since the 80s. And and you go back, it started with less than 1% of Kiwis playing in the NRL. Then the doors were open, and now it's at around 50 The NRL have quoted it to be in around 48, 50% of Kiwis in the NRL. And we're talking about through all the grades. So the talent to get to the 30-0 win, to get to the 18-0 win at Carlo Park, the 24-0 win uh, in the final with Bluey... Um, has been progressively getting better since the 80s. The talent ain't going anywhere. They're not the ones being moved. They are continually going to keep getting better. And it's about time we took our polarised glasses off to say that the Australians are the better people to do it. That that mark that remark there around a, a technical motivator, more game manager, is around getting the best out of the talent. And I think we've got people that can get the best out of the talent. We have always had those people and Blue McLennan, Graham Lowe, Stephen Kearney, um, and 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 the likes, the Cess Mountfords, you know, Frank Endicotts. The Frank Endicotts. It, it's a it's not about and I keep saying that, it's not about Madge Maguire. It's about getting that right here in New Zealand because the black jersey should be the pinnacle. And you're just reading that part out there, says you have a choice. And the and the choice is I love the job. Okay, well, we want you to do the job. It's it's yours. Here you have it. Oh no, but I want to do that job, and we shouldn't be put in that position. 
Well, Paul has uh, texted through as well, and he said, uh, Madge Maguire and Eddie Jones have a lot in common after dodging questions around rumours of Wallabies in New South Wales. Both denied and said, I'm focused on the Kiwis slash Wallabies, respectively. It's so similar, they should just change their names to Eddie <laughs> Maguire and Michael Jones. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate your text. Keep the rolling through, too. Double eight, double three. Want to continue to hear from you. We're going to hear from the big rig, Ben Robb, before 8 o'clock. Right now, we're going to check out the latest in news and sport with Aroha. Thanks to Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now. 28 away from 8, it is Tradies Hour with night and day. Warm up this morning with a hell of a coffee starting at $4.50 at your local night and day time for some sports news headlines. Thanks to Kennards Hire, making your job easy, kennards.co.nz. Five black caps are now hoping to be picked up at the IPL auction after being dumped by their Indian Premier League franchises. Tim Southey, Lockie Ferguson, Kyle Jamison, Finn Allen and Michael Bracewell were all released from their respective the franchises for the 2024 IPL season at the player retention deadline yesterday. The quintet will now have to rely on being wanted by a new outfit at the 10-team auction on December 19. So we'll watch this uh, space on that. Uh, I mean, Ravindra. Rajan Ravindra, yeah, he's, he'll be another name that'll be in there. I think, uh, to be fair to uh, Kyle Jamison and uh, Michael Bracewell, they've been injured a lot the last season. That might uh, have put, uh, put might be some of the reason around that. Uh, Carolina Panthers owner David Tepper has fired coach Frank Reich less than 24 hours after the owner left the locker room muttering an expletive following their 17-10 loss to the Tennessee Titans in Nashville. Reich's tenure at Carolina ended with an NFL worst record of one win from 11 games, including 0-6 on the road. He's also become the first NFL head coach since the 1970 merger between the NFL and the AFL to be fired in back-to-back seasons after last year's dismissal by the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. Good payouts. Oh yeah, you reckon he'll work again at NFL level? <laughs> Sounds like Eddie Jones. You go back to oh, you might you might have to go back to uh, coaching college, college football. Uh, Sergio Perez, love this. Uh, Red Bull Sergio Perez has been given a formal warning for calling Formula One stewards a joke over the team radio after they gave him a five-second penalty during the season-ending Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. The sanction demoted the Mexican from second at the chequered flag in a one-two with team Matt mate uh, Max Verstappen to fourth the stewards are a joke man Perez said on his slowing down lap I cannot believe it they have been very bad this year but this is just a joke that was really a joke uh, the stewards they got reprimanded for that yeah, you got rid of it. The stewards summoned the driver to a post-race hearing and handed him a warning. The stewards explained to the driver that they had no issue with him disagreeing with their decisions. However, comments that amount to personal insults are a breach of their international sporting code, and it was also picked up on the broadcast and put on TV, which probably didn't help his cause. Uh, so yeah, Sergio Perez is a little bit lighter in the wallet uh, by the sounds of things. Mind you, you can probably spare it, Kempi. Yeah, yeah, talking ahead. We've been talking plenty about them coins dripping out. I'll tell you what, we're going to get to that seamstress seamstress real quick for Rob. He he put his hands in his pocket. He couldn't get to them. The pockets are down to his ankles. (laughs) They're that deep. Now, uh, Bangladeshi head coach Chantika Huthra uh, Singer has said that uh, Bangladesh will need to move on from some of their senior players, calling the current transition phase an exciting one for the cricket uh, for cricket in the country ahead of the upcoming Test series against New Zealand. Regular captain Shakib Al Hassan, his deputy Lytton Das, and Tuscan Ahmed, the leader of the pace attack, have all been ruled out of the series. Shakib recovering from a finger injury. Tuscan is managing his shoulder niggle while the BCB has given Lytton. 
Pass Paternity Break. So, yeah, three big names out of that Bangladeshi team uh, should make the Black Caps' job a little easier, and we will uh, get Pete McGlashan's thoughts on that after eight. Keep and they should, they should, yeah, they should get a couple up in that um, that World Cup points um, table too against Bangladesh to get that start. Uh, apparently, they're going to need sort of eight to nine games, nine wins. Uh, to try and make that final. Hey, how come you haven't mentioned that golf from Manchester United yet? Oh, well, I, I talked about it yesterday, mate. Oh, did you? Yeah, Alejandro Hanacho. Um, absolutely superb. I don't know if you remember from a few years ago, Wayne Rooney scored a great goal, a winner against Manchester City in the Manchester derby at Old Trafford. Uh, it's been replayed a, a hundred, hundred million times. It's Wayne Rooney. He's basically run in and the ball, the cross has gone behind him. So he's checked his run, turned around and then got up in the air and bicycle kicked it into the top corner. Well, Arnacho did exactly the same thing, basically, but slightly further out. Uh, fantastic what, goal. Honestly, it's the first time I've seen it and I've just been watching the replay up here in the studio. It is... The goal, I don't think there'd be a better goal this year. No, they were already saying goal of the season. Yeah. You know, and there were only 13 rounds in out of 38, so there's plenty of time to go, but that is a screamer. That's a screamer. Yeah, yeah. outstanding. Kennard's higher, make your job easy. Talk to someone who's taken the Kenno today. Those are your sports news headlines. A few texts coming through here as well. Uh, who has the bigger rig, Ben <laughs> Robb or Uncle Kempe? That one from Jeff. Uh, Jeff hasn't got too bad a rig either, just quietly. He's got a, he's got a bit of a big rig well, on him too. We just heard from the rig, actually. He's been called into a work meeting, so we're going to have to... Uh, uh, push him back to uh, after 8 o'clock at some point uh, to talk the darts. But, yeah, different sort of rigs. Uh, Kempe is kind of more the front-end loader, uh, and uh, Ben Robb is more the, uh, the high-end crane because he's about 6 foot 8 as yeah, well. Yeah, doing all the carrying and, and, and the, rig, the big rig, um, doing all the lifting. That's so, the one. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, the big rig, Ben Robb, uh, coming on with us uh, after eight now. Um, so that'll be that'll be good. And the reason we've got him coming on, and uh, I'll, I'll just get, bring this up because I think it's worth talking about, the World Darts Championship is uh, coming up next month. And the treble 20, which has traditionally been red, is going to be changed to green. Green for go. Green for go. Now, apparently Paddy Power are behind this, which did make me think, is this just because Paddy Power's colours are green? Um, but apparently not. And take this with a, with a grain of salt. But apparently that is not the reason. The reason behind it is that apparently people's eyes uh, can see and recognise green. Research has shown the colour green sits at the centre of the visual spectrum while red and blue are at either end of the scale and are harder to see. Colour is uh, Green is the colour humans perceive more accurately, which leads to improved precision and decreased eye fatigue. So what's orange? I have no idea. I would imagine that's closer to red, so it's probably sort of... So it means closer to, closer to red. When you see a, when you see a traffic spectrum. light and you go, it goes red, or, orange, or, uh, green to orange to red. Mm. What does the orange mean to you? Go faster, so before it gets red. Yeah, well, I got pulled up the other day. Did you? I got pulled up because I thought orange was you don't get through it before it turns red. <laughs> um, I think it depends where you are in relation to the lights. And the well, this is this is at quarter past four in the morning. coming here. Yeah, right. So no one around. Mm. You know, except the guy who's like. A half a K behind me in a cop car. Right. So he chases me up Ponsonby Road and pulls me up. And I said, what did you pull me up for? He goes, you went through that orange light. I went, are you serious? I said, are you serious? I went through an orange light at quarter past four in the morning. Were there any other cars around? He goes, no, you're meant to stop. I was, I was like, come on, man. Come on, man. Seriously. And uh, Did he ticket you? Yes. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. What was yeah. that worth? Oh, oh, too much, too much. Um, it was worth plenty. Can but, I ask a question? Yeah. Just to, just to clarify here. Was the ticket for going through the orange light or was it the speed you were going through the orange light at? No, no, it was through going through the orange light. And I wasn't going that fast because I never drive fast. I'm I'm a granddad when I'm driving fast. No, that's right. I just thought I had to. When you said it, it was a fear of it. I was like, hang on a minute. Maybe there's more to the story. Well, you know me. You know me. Yeah. If you're going to get, if you're going to have to really explain yourself, I'm going to explain it. Yeah. Like, why are you giving me a ticket? Why aren't you out actually catching criminals at this time in the morning? Because there'd be probably plenty of it happening. Why do you have you decided at quarter past four when there's no no one on the roads to pull someone up for going through an orange light? And mm. then it just started to get pretty heated from there. Yeah, right. And okay. in, in the end, I think he he was like, yeah, no. Nah, because I did say to him, mate, can't you just be a good bloke and give me a warning? And and, and it got, when, he, when he went, no. And then the girl hopped out of the car and she came up and she said, can't you just give him a warning? He went, no. And I, then I just went, then I started to really say, right, okay, mate, you, you know, yeah. I think you're in this job for all the wrong reasons. Well, mate, they, they have a quota. Well, and I said to him, doesn't this go to the police um, Christmas fund? Yeah. And he, and he, that really upset him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kempy, Kempy, Kempy. Uh, another text through from Jeff. The triple green, uh, the green triple twenty won't help Kempy. He can't hit a barn door, let alone a dartboard. I've seen him beaten by Charlene Waite multiple times. Oh, yeah, mate. I can't wait to see you next Wednesday, Jeff. Seriously, you can run it straight. Let's see how good you are. You have got a rig too. I'm going to absolutely love destroying it. All right. Other texts that have come through. Morning, fellas. On the Michael Maguire situation, I initially was worried about Maguire influencing Kiwi-eligible players to play for New South Wales. But on further thought, if you need to twist their arm to represent New Zealand, do you want someone like that in a black jersey? Didn't Kempi waste a lot of time and effort trying to get Jason uh, Tamalolo to commit, and that didn't pay off in the end? It it, it did. Well, it wasn't a waste of time, and it's never going to be a waste of time because it's just the um, reality of our life going forward under the current eligibility rules, is if you're not in the fight, well, you're going to lose the fight. And and the the one... the one thing that David wrote in that article was about the eligibility, and it play and it paints a really plain and simple picture. The Australians change the rules whenever they can to suit them. Okay, so you can play you can play Origin, but you can go back and play for the Pacific Island Islands. I bleed black. I don't bleed. You know, people say to you, who do you support in Origin? I don't care. I like them bashing each other up. I'm nothing better than Australians giving it to each other. And then the Kiwis coming over and winning by 30 points. But when you get a Kiwi that is is getting, you know, pulled left, right and centre around eligibility rules, then we have to get back in the fight. You know, and this is a fight. The, co- the coaching position is a fight because part of getting those kids to play for New Zealand, and we've had plenty that, you know, are not just like Jason Tomalolo. Benji Marshall's a champion for me. Um... It's going to be an ongoing battle, and and currently under the current rules, it's a really tough battle to win. Because one thing that no one's talked about is the money that they get. So, yep. you know, not only do you fight for them to to you know that question, oh, if they don't want to play for New Zealand, then don't pick them. It's not that simple these days. When you're getting offered sixty thousand dollars to play a game of footy, of course it becomes an option. What do you, what do you earn? What are the current players? I don't know if you know the figures on this, but you're saying sixty grand to play one game of Origin. What do you get? Twenty. It's twenty thousand. It was twenty thousand oh, so, dollars so a for game a series. for a series. Yeah, yep. sixty grand for the series. But what I, do you get to play, paid to play for the Kiwis? 
Oh, it's gone. I, I, I know that they've, in the current CBA deal, that they negotiated way back down. But for years, we played for next to nothing. Yeah? And then in 2000, 2010, I think, or 2009, we asked the Australians in the NRL for pay parity because the Australians were getting $10,000 a game and our players were getting 2000 Yep. Yeah. We're packing the same stadium out. It was the same game. And we asked for pay parity, so we discussed it with the NRL around pay parity. So for years, the Kiwis got pay parity. They got exactly the same as what the Aussies, which is what you should do. Um, but but now it's gone back. The Australians always get paid more. Um, and if you if you say, well, you know, they they are doing it for the money, mate, that's their job. Their job is to get paid. And when you're getting offered, not only are you fighting against Origin the jersey, but you're fighting against Orange the Origin the pay packet. To get an extra $60,000 in your wallet, yep. I'm going to walk up to you today. I'm going to say to you, Rick, okay, I'm going to give you, like, you can go, you can stay at Sins here and, and, and broadcast for three weeks, or you can take three weeks holiday and come over here and I'm going to give you 60 grand and work for me. What are you going to do? I'll take the holiday, thanks. You take the holiday? Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's what I mean. I, 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 the, the, the conversation around what do you do? Well, you bat, you, it's it's the norm. That's what you're battling against. And, Jay, and the thing with Jason Tomalolo, he could go back and play for Tonga and and wanted to go back and play Origin, but we did get him to commit to New Zealand. And when Jason committed, a lot of other kids committed as well. But you, you're going to always have that battle. It's 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 just not going to end with Jason Tomalolo. I can guarantee you that now. It is a quarter to eight. Keep your texts rolling through. Double eight, double three. Love to hear from you. Or 0800 150 It's ten to eight on Tradies Hour. You can start your morning with a hell of a coffee from just $4.50 at your local night and day. Now, yesterday, Kempi had a few choice words for our friends over the ditch at SEN League, SEN 1170, uh, Vossi and Brandy. Here's how this went and then their response. Even our good mates across the Tasman, Brandy, Vossi, Sats, all basically following the media's tone in and around that. Boys, just do your homework. Pick your phone up. Give me a call, you know, because I I never once spoke to the New Zealand Rugby League. My whole conversation was on conflict, which Greg confirmed was the biggest issue that they've got. And that is simply, you know, Brandy, you know, we don't have Penrith Leagues Club million-dollar high-performance centres, uh, and you can just go out there and, and pick a coach, you know, like you like an Ivan Cleary or you guys on a conveyor belt. You know, we've got no community game. We need national competitions. We need opportunities for coaches. And the one opportunity that we shouldn't hand to Australians that use it as a pathway is to allow them to use New Zealand Rugby League as a stepping stone to New South Wales, Queensland and Australia. Are we talking about coaches or players there? So it, it was, was, was Michael Maguire, did he become the New Zealand coach so... And he always had origin in his mind. Was that the stepping stone that he was talking about? I, I don't know, but I, I, I guess I understand what he's saying about you know the the comparison with Penrith. And I thought it was odd to start with. And then I thought, well, why did he mention Penrith? Well, understaffed, under under resourced. Are they t- is he talking New Zealand need? You yeah, know, they, they haven't got the resources of Penrith. Penrith? Production no. line of coaches? What? No. No, that's, no, well, that's not right. I had no problem with the Kiwis saying, "Well, you know, we don't want to go down this line." If he's coaching New South Wales, and and I, I get it. Like it, it was a hard thing for everyone to wrap their heads around because it had never been done before. We've never had an Origin coach that was coaching another country, so it, it was a new look. 
and obviously the look wasn't, you know, what the Kiwis wanted. I, I had no issue with that. Now, the fact that Tony, I brought Tony Kemp's name into it because he works on SENZ and I listened to his arguments. I heard him yeah. say that he, he didn't think that he... He didn't want Michael Maguire coaching New Zealand. I, I didn't say he was leading the march to the New Zealand Rugby League, you know, with placards and, you know, <laughs> get rid of Madge-style stuff. I, I just said, well, yeah. you know, he's against it. Well, that's... That's and he was, uh, yeah, he was. He didn't want Madge as the coach. No. I didn't say he, he, you know, he, he got a petition out, no. ran around the country, you know, getting signatures. I just said he didn't want Madge as the coach. <laughs> no. Simple as that. So do your homework. Do your homework, Tony. Give me a ring. <laughs> Fire and back. Oh, me and me and Brandy have done uh, done plenty of battles both on the field, you know, at, at club level and in internationals. And uh, really, I really appreciate the uh, the total or the comeback. Uh, and and of course, Brandy actually owning it and saying, you know, that he that he did listen and he and he was going on about um, that conversation. I'll, I'll I'll give you a couple of points there. It is a new look. Origin is a new look. Like I said to Matty White yesterday, it isn't state of origin, it's country of origin. You've got so many Pacific players playing through there. It's a new look. We grew up when me and Brandy played, there was never a Pacific origin. Um, and the other thing around under-resource in Penrith, exactly. We don't have the resources in New Zealand to do that. So um, thanks a lot for coming back, boys. It's great to have a bit of banter. We're not, we're not the poor cousins anymore. We're actually your daddies. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly 8 o'clock here on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Make sure you grab yourself a hell of a coffee from just $4.50 at your local night and day because it is, of course, tradies hour. Chris has sent a great text through, Kempi. Mm. I wonder what the Aussie reaction would have been if Kiwi players were allowed to play Origin. Would they then have accepted the same guy coaching the Kiwis in New South Wales? <laughs> i tell you, the shoe on the other foot, it, uh, it shines a light on the actual conflict, doesn't it? It does, 100%. It's a great text, Chris. Really appreciate it, mate. And uh, yeah, good thinking. Uh, double eight, double three, if you've got more of those, we will continue to talk that throughout the rest of the morning. After 8 o'clock, we're going to turn our attention to cricket, though. Peter McGlashan, former Black Caps gloveman, is going to join us and preview the Bangladesh Black Caps Test Series. Right now, here's Araha with news for Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now. Kia ora, good morning and welcome into SENZ, Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. If you just joined us, it is five past eight. Coming up on the show, the big rig, Ben Robb, is going to join us to talk World Championship darts. Uh, We're also going to catch up with Paul Mawadi from the TAB as well. And right now, uh, we're going to talk cricket because Bangladesh versus the Black Caps. First test of that two-test series gets underway, 4.30 this afternoon. Uh, just a look at that New Zealand squad. Uh, from a batting point of view, you've got Dev Conway, Tom Blundell, uh, Tom Latham, Henry Nichols, Kane Williamson, Glenn Phillips and Will Young uh, in the squad. The all-rounders, Rajan Ravindra, Mitch Sander, Daryl Mitchell. The bowlers, Tim Southey, Kyle Jamison, Ish Sodi, Ajaz Patel and Neil Wagner. Joining us to talk about this team and about this test series as well, what it means is Peter McLashan, former Black Caps gloveman. G'day Pete, how you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. It's a story, mate. Hey, listen, uh, just uh, thinking about this, uh, the makeup of this squad, I was, I was just looking through and thinking, it'd be interesting to see what they do in terms of a bowling attack here. Uh, and, you know, we know the Bangladeshi conditions tend to be reasonably spin-friendly. Uh, so how many 
uh, of Wagner, Southie and Jamison do you think actually play this uh, this first test? Yeah, probably no more than two. Um, generally, it is it is spin friendly and it's pretty tough on the seam bowlers. Obviously, Jamison's had his injuries um, over the last couple of years and so probably doesn't have the workload ready to throw himself into the first test in, uh, in Bangladesh. And Neil Wagner has been called up to replace Matt Henry, so it won't have necessarily been on his um, pre-season schedule to be getting ready for this. Uh, I think he might have missed a couple of games for the Northern, uh, Northern Brave as well. So, yeah, a little bit of the unknown, but um, plenty of the spinners have been there before and, and we'll be looking forward to the conditions which are pretty favourable to the spin. Yeah, I suppose if, you, if you're going to uh, select one fast bowler out in New Zealand, who, uh, if the conditions aren't going to go his way, is going to bend his back and you know, and, and try and bowl the ball through the pitch. Then Neil Wagner's your man. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, I would imagine when the phone rang and he saw that it was uh, the head selector, he would have sort of sighed, but then he would have <laughs> um, started to prep himself for what will be a pretty tough couple of weeks uh, for a bowler like him. But he is the guy that will just you know wear his hat on his sleeve and just run in and run in and run in until. Um, you know, there's nothing left in the tank, uh, and and it's a pretty big tank, and he works pretty hard. So, yeah, they'll be they'll be pleased that they can call on a guy like Wagner and Saudi have that experience um, when um, yeah there'll be some hard yards to be done. That's for sure. Hey Pete, uh, thanks for joining us this morning on Bricky. It's a it's a fantastic summer of cricket. They've got series coming against uh, up against Australia, England, and India as well. How how important? Is it uh, to get these these wins against Bangladesh early on? Um, I think these stats are right. In the last 31 tests against Aussie, they've only won one. And I think against the last 19, it goes back to 1988, they haven't won any. Yeah, the, um, the other interesting thing about this is it's the first of the World Test Championship cycle. So obviously New Zealand were pretty excited to win the, the first ever World Test Championship, um, but we're kind of out of it from the start in the last one. So both teams, Bangladesh and New Zealand, will be wanting to get onto a good start to pick up points for that competition. And as you said, it's a huge summer at home, so um, you really want to be you know, building up to that well by doing well. Then there's countries which are normally pretty tough places to tour. Now, Pete, you, you're probably for, uh, more across this than I am, uh, but uh, because you know I don't tend to follow uh, Bangladeshi cricket that closely. But this is a team uh, that's going to be without the captain Shakib Al Hassan, Lytton Das, and Tuscan uh, Ahmed as well, their main fast bowler. Uh, so that the, the coach is making all the right moves and saying the right things about senior players moving on, and uh, they need to, they need to um, you know sort of embrace what is an exciting transition phase for cricket in Bangladesh. Um, um, how much hope does that give you of a of a two nil uh, win for the, uh, the Black Caps up there? Yeah, I, I think you're right about the coach sending the right signals. It really does take the pressure off some of the young guys coming in. Um, they are some real senior players. Um, you know, Shakib had his own controversy during the World Cup with the timed out thing that he got involved with, but. Um, it is a bit of a changing of the guard. Um, you know, New Zealand won't be far away from that as well in the next couple of years with um, the likes of Saudi in, that, uh, in a similar age bracket. So, I think you're right. He's he's trying to take pressure off his own players so that you know they don't um, feel under pressure in their you know, first series at home. But the reality is that does mean that you know New Zealand should really go in there with some confidence. That batting lineup that you mentioned for New Zealand is very experienced and, and normally plays pretty well in spin conditions. So you'd like to think that um, 
we can go in there reasonably confident and uh, hit the ground running. Yeah, it's an interesting one because I thought about that and then I looked at our team and I think there's 15 men in, in this squad over there. Only three of them are under 30. Would you have thought mm-hmm. that maybe this was an opportunity for Gary Stead to try and blood some youngsters, or not necessarily youngsters, but younger players into test cricket? Yeah, possibly, although guys like Will Young... Um, have sort of been on the fringes for quite a long time, so you you are expecting him to step up. Um, and then you've got the likes of Glenn Phillips, uh, Ravindra, obviously we've got high hopes for. So I think it's a nice mix. Obviously, Kane Williamson, Daryl Mitchell, Tom Latham, Henry Nichols are the more experienced guys, but uh, everyone will be looking to see what Ravindra can do with a re- uh, against a red ball after what he did at the World Cup. So there's definitely some exciting youngsters in the mix as well. Uh, how do you keep how do you keep the minds fresh? You know, with so much cricket going, they come out of all sorts of um, different styles of cricket. Players playing, you know, the short form, then the then the test matches. But how do you keep their their interest in the game at a at a at a high? Yeah, I mean, it does become a job. Um, you know, these guys are paid several hundred thousand dollars a year to do this, so um, it's not a sport for them necessarily. Um, they did have a bit of a break. Uh, I think I read online that they didn't bother, most of the squad that were at the World Cup didn't bother coming back to New Zealand that they've spent the last um, week or so in Dubai. Um, so they will have had a bit of a break. Um, they will have had a chance to switch off a little bit of training. But then, you know, it's uh, as soon as you arrive in Bangladesh, I haven't been there myself, but, you know, it, it is a bit of a shock to the system. Um, it's a fairly short stint there, just a couple of weeks, and then they'll be back home into the New Zealand summer and Christmas, etc., playing against Bangladesh again. So the opposition won't change when they come back to New Zealand. But um, it, it's one of those things where um, there'll be a handful of players where, like Henry Nichols and Wagner and that, who and EJ's Patel, who are coming in, and they weren't playing in the World Cup, so it's not a change for them. There'll be some of the squad who, yeah, do need to do that transition and, and think about different ways to score, etc. Now, we've got three all-rounders in the squad, as as it's listed on uh, Crick Info. Daryl Mitchell, Rutchen, and Mitch Santner. So you've got a couple of spin bowling options there. We don't see Daryl Mitchell with a ball in his hand all that often, but do you think there's a chance that uh, he will open the bowling, given that uh, the the pace guys might not do so much, and so they might just go with him and, say, Tim Southey, uh, and, and then they get to play Ish and Ajaz? Yeah, it's a possibility, although um, that, that would have them playing Ish, Ajaz, Mitch Santner, and potentially Ravindra, so, you know, four, four spin options. Um, you might not need that many. It just might be an Ajaz, an Ajaz uh, or an Ish. Um, but I think Daryl will definitely end up doing some donkey work. So there will be times when the ball's not doing anything. The, the fast bowlers need a bit of a break, and the ball will get thrown to Daryl just to kind of run in and just hold up an end while they maybe attack from the other end with spin. So I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't do some bowling. Um, but um, I'd be surprised if it's kind of too early on. They'll try and swing it while they can and then probably go to spin pretty quickly. Ratcham Ravindra has been a, a revelation um, for cricket fans. Is there anyone else in your mind, Pete, that um, maybe is a bolter for these series uh, in the summer up here in New Zealand? Uh, it's a little bit hard to tell because it's so early in the summer for, for us here. So... Um, I haven't had a chance actually to, to keep tabs on the Plunkett Shield games that have been played so far. But um, 
it'll probably be the usual suspects early in the summer um, and then as the summer rolls on some of the, the new names might come to the surface over that Christmas New Year period and potentially have a, a chance of playing for New Zealand later in the summer, um, February, March-ish. But generally because the New Zealand summer starts quite late, um, these early season games are often dominated by um, players that are in the system because they're known quantities and, and New Zealand cricket have had them in their um, in their uh targets for a while so um, you know the likes of Ravindra stepping up um, the role that guys like um, Henry Nichols plays you know Henry Nichols is a guy that's been in and out of the squad for a little while and there's always a bit of a question mark for him and then he generally gets a big score and keeps himself in the mix there will be players like Ravindra and others coming through where they start to lose a little bit of patience with some players that are inconsistent so it wouldn't surprise me if by the end of the summer it's a different um, different 12 or 13 than what we've got here yeah, I was interested to get your thoughts on um, uh, a bloke who has had a little bit of a taste, but he's also had a couple of injuries. But I just think with Trent Bolt, you know, now only been available from time to time for us, having a left arm quick who can swing the ball, um, the, looking around the country, Ben Lister is probably the best at that. What do you think of him uh, and his potential to play at that level? Yeah, well, I think uh, the good thing about Ben is he's a guy who's been kind of in and around that environment a little bit. Um, I think from memory, he'd made a debut in the white ball format. Um, I think I might have commentated. I don't think it went particularly well, but at least he's been in the mix. Uh, and the New Zealand A series that they have uh, become critical for kind of blooding players and making sure that they're ready to go at that level. So I think that's always been a strength of New Zealand is that um, variety that we've offered with bowlers, left arm, right arm, um, you know, guys like Wagner's that just run in and bowl bounces and then lots of different spin options. So I think that'll be a strength to New Zealand, you know, um, going forward. And, if, and guys like Lister and others that can start to step up and fill those gaps means that when Bolt and Salvi and co um, do finish, we'll be well-placed to have a smooth transition. I'm looking at the squad. Tom Latham is obviously going to open. Um, I, I, I think that's 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 pretty much a given. Uh, I think Dev Conway is better at four than he is as an opener, but given Henry Nichols is there, how do you see that New Zealand batting lineup, that top six looking? Yeah, well, I think it's been eight months since we played a test match, so I haven't wow. actually gone back and opened up the last time we, um, uh, who batted where in the last test. I think you're right. Guys like Conway, Nichols, and even Ravinder, really. Um, I mean, Tom Blundell's opened in tests, but you wouldn't want him to do it while he's keeping. We've got guys that have kind of been in and out of those uh, spots and it is a little bit difficult to have a bit of a revolving door. I suspect they'll go with Conway and try and kind of give him um, a consistent spot that he can take ownership of. Um, if, you, if there was anywhere in the world where you'd want to open it's probably Bangladesh. Um, not so much when you come back home and it might move around a bit more but uh, I suspect they won't want to change it too much so that young guys like Ravindra can can feel like they're coming in and they're clear about what their role is within the team. So if we look at Latham and Conway to open, and then Kane at three, what, Henry Nichols at four, I would say Daryl Mitchell at five, and then your wicketkeeper Blundell at six, so then you're going seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 10, uh, 11. I guess Rutchen and, and, and Santner have got to be, what, there at seven and eight. Um, Ajaz, 11, and Southie, and one other, a Jamison or a, or a Wagner in there. Is that is that your 11? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. I think Ravindra or Blundell will probably... 
B6 or 7, depending on, you know, maybe what's happened. If, if they were in a situation where maybe they're fielded first and, um, you know, they've been in the field for a long time, Tom now might want a bit of a break and drop down to 7. Um, and Ravinja can slot in at 6. Those two roles are kind of interchangeable, really, with the quality of players. Mitchell Satner, you probably don't want him any higher than 8. Um, and and then you kind of it's quite a long tail. Tim Southey not renowned for sticking around. <laughs> I just tell East Shore Wags all kind of probably good for twenty five thirty, but not much more. So they do need to make sure that the top order is growing runs. Mate, there's this young kid running around that I've heard all about, um, and he's he's pretty good taking wickets. I don't know if you've heard about him, young Rob. Um, he he goes around. He he sort of works at sends. Um, he sort of moonlights, but. Apparently the last time he was out, six, six for I think he well, was. Yeah, six for 17 off 11. Uh, Robbie McFarlane, mate, you reckon he's that's, worth a nudge? That's pretty impressive. That is pretty impressive. I mean, we'd probably need some video footage to attest to the calibre of the opposition probably before we consider there's okay. no There's no talk in the selectors about Robbie maybe getting a start in the summer? Not that I've heard of, but I mean, you know, there's many places on the team. You don't have to be the team as a bowler. <laughs> hey, fantastic, Pete, mate. Really appreciate your time. Uh, go well and uh, enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, eh? Cheers. Cheers. Uh, yeah, Pete McGlash in there with us talking. Uh, that first test against Bangladesh, it does get if, underway at uh, 4.30 this afternoon. What if you did get the call up, Rob? He's just putting his cans on. I'll come talk to you. What's it, what's happening? What, what, just, just, you know, hypothetically. Yeah. You're sitting here one morning, and old steady Eddie picks the phone up and calls old Robbie McFarlane. You, you, you're in. You, you think that's going to happen? Well, what would your reaction be? Um, I'd think it's a prank call. <laughs> <laughs> well, just, to, just, to, I mean, you did, you did take uh, six for seventeen off eleven uh, the other day, Rob. We, we have talked about that, but uh, the level you play. I mean, how far away are you? Because you got to play, you got to play some rep cricket first. How far away are you from from Auckland, for example? Yeah, well, that, well, that, well, that's the thing. I think I'm, yeah, a bit, a bit, a bit old now to, um, you know, I never, I had the issues with my back going through school. How, how old are you? Twenty four. Yeah, oh, yeah, ancient. Yeah, yeah, carry on, yeah, carry exactly. on. Retire. Um, yeah, yeah, basically <laughs> done with the sport. Um, but yeah, I, I um, missed the opportunities, kind of like going through high school with my back, and um, to yeah, be in those sort of rep tournaments, and yeah, now I'm just kind of running around. And grade cricket and so yeah but basically uh there are there are a few levels above me in, in my club that i think they'd be looking at for talent for auckland and then probably the black caps so um, <laughs> i, think you're yeah, I yourself. don't think that's quite happening so you need to hit shane bond up find out who uh, did the the old titanium wrap in his lower back to get him back to full pace is yeah, that what you need yeah okay all right well i wish you luck with that it is uh, 8 21 here on izzy and kempy for breakfast thanks to chemist warehouse keeping you healthy this spring it is 26 past eight here on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Double eight, double three is the temper bed post text machine. Or you can uh, call us anytime on 0800 150 Lammy's texted through, said, hey Kempi, uh, he, he's talking about Madge here, he was always going to choose the origin job. He's an Australian uh, and Aussies are always turncoats. Uh, give a New Zealand coach, uh, like you said, we have the talent now, we don't need an Aussie coaching our team. Yeah, look, look, it's it's pathways, isn't it? Like, and if you're an Australian, if you're an Australian, I look, I don't hold it against him. Uh, you know, if he wants to be the New South Wales origins as pinnacle, um, we all see that on TV, Rick. We all see the yeah. the hype, the glamour, the 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 theatre of the the whole thing. Um, good, you know, good on you. Go and go and do it. 
See, the hype in theatre for me is a Kiwi jersey in the Kiwi in the Kiwi games. And and the simple fact is you had a choice between New South Wales and Kiwis and you chose New South Wales. I I think that in itself is enough to say, well, we need to fix that up because the Kiwis are a pinnacle. And there are people like me, and there are a lot of other people out there that aren't like me that think that he should still have the job. And that's that's fine. That's fine with it. But there are people like me who go, well, I actually want someone who, who will stay there and loves the Kiwis and will basically go out there and rip that rip that mana of that jersey. Yeah, well, I think you know the other thing for, for Michael Maguire is he's got a job at Canberra working with Ricky Stewart, right, as, as an assistant there. He's probably going to have to give that away if he's going to be a New South Wales coach. I would imagine, um, but yeah, the other thing is, you know, Kiwis. He's probably he probably gets paid. I don't I don't know. I don't know what the numbers are. But say he gets paid one hundred and fifty grand to coach the Kiwis, he's probably going to be on three times. He's probably going to be on four fifty Australian to coach in South Wales, isn't he? And the rest. Well, it it all it all it all ties up. The thing with it is that we don't you know have that type of income to to have someone that comes in for three games. And that's the other part of the conversation. Well, it's like, you know, you come in and get the Kiwis for a week. It's more than that if you're that coach. Like, you've got to work through the juniors, the structures, the national comps, um, help with the pathways which aren't there. You've got, you've got to reset everything. And, and this is the battle that the NZRL have at the moment. Like, how do they get the process right, but also how do they get the appointment right um, to carry on with the talent that continually keeps getting better? I'll tell you who had the, the dream job. Uh, Mel Meninga, I read a story. During COVID, there was a period, I think, the Kangaroos went two and a half years without playing a test. Mel Meninga is Kangaroos coach, 500k Australian. Yeah, and and he can thank New Zealand for that role because a guy by the name of David Hill that worked at the NRL was pr- proposed a model of uh, the NRL paying for a New Zealand coach, which at the time was Stephen Cooney coming back to New Zealand and being full-time and working with everyone in New Zealand alongside our national coaches and building our coaching depth in this country because we knew that coaching coaches was beneficial to um, helping our players get better. Um, well, what they did was they took the New Zealand model that was presented to them and they hired Mel Meninga, who got put on that type of salary. So, you know, the, the, the Kiwis, I told you this before, Rick, I've stood in a building with a guy that used to work as the general manager of fo- football for the Warriors, saying that there's no one in New Zealand that could do his job. Like, I wanted to throw him off the balcony, you know what I mean? Like, how can you say that? We just had a text through from Matt, 150k for that job, is it a full-time gig really? Well Matt, I, th- I think that th- the, what you've got to figure is, if you want a coach who's capable of coaching at the highest level, you need to pay for them. So it's not 150k for three matches, it's 150k to get them to come and do the job, otherwise you just don't get them to come and do the job. Yeah, and... And that's the that's the difference between professional coaches who are coaching and say that well we'll come in for camp. So you got to you got to remember there's a lot of people that do a lot of work before you get there. You know you got your commercial team setting up the the food and beverage, the the, the hospitality, the hotels, you know um, the gears, the purchasing of gear, the designs. Uh, then you got all your your medical staff. You know there's a there's a thousand cast a thousand before you get in there just to make your job a hell of a lot easy. So that's uh, just for that one week. This isn't about one week. This is about an annual proposition that helps grow the game here in New Zealand. Um, and I've got to say, I think the New Zealand Rugby League have got it right. Mm, there you go. Uh, some words you never thought Tony Kemp would say. It is 8, 8.30 here on SCNZ. Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Here's Araha with the latest in news for Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now. 
It's 27 away from 9 o'clock here on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Check out the Grand Tour Hub at tab.co.nz. Bet safely, R18. If there is one man that we regularly get on the show who could be described as clutch, it is Paul Mawadi from the TAB. Good morning, Paulie. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, Ricardo. And I'm glad you bring that up because um, I think we've identified that there's a, wink, a weak link amongst us. Um, I've just had a... <laughs> I've just... <laughs> I've just had a look over the books, and I can see that uh, Smithy's multi got up over the weekend, paying just a tick under $1,500. Um, and then I think also Staff's multi um, got up on the weekend as well, paying, um, uh, yeah, just under $900. So... Um, so they're on home and letting us down, so is that what you're saying? Got, so we've got to stop, <laughs> listen, we've got to stop listening <laughs> to the clutch because <laughs> the break keeps um, stuffing up our multis, <laughs> mate. So we've, uh, we've identified Tony Handbrake Kemp as the, uh, as, as the stopper on these multis. I'll give you the tip. You didn't have to... Do, these are some very, very good multis by the boys. They had, um, first of all, Smitty's one. Um, he had uh, Valare at Counties on the weekend to win at $2.80. A draw in the Man City-Liverpool game at $4.20. And the Magic to beat the Celtics at $2.60. So they put the $50 bonus bet on that and uh, got a 1400 back. So that was a very nice collect. And then um, I think it was Staffy's show uh, took Minwoo Lee to win the Australian PGA at $2.88. Wow. Uh, the New York... That was... Um, I'm pretty sure that was after the first round. Right, OK. So, yeah, yeah, that was after... Minwoo Lee had already had a very, very good... I think he was only one shot off the lead at around seven under after the first round at that PGA, Australian PGA. Also took the Giants to beat the Patriots at two thirty-five. Um, Volare to uh, finish top two at Pukekohe, and then Aromatic to finish top three in the County's Cup at $1.60. And so, yes, it's, it's you don't have to go too wide um, to find a return. So well done to those two shows who are uh, showing you boys just how it's done. Thanks for the free advertising for Steffi and Smithy's show. Um, that's not that's not, not why we get you on this show, though, is it? We get you on this show to try and pick us the winners, and you've been absolutely having an absolute shocker lately. I'm going to throw you into one, all right? I'm going to declare it right now, and I'm going to, oh. I'm going to get you paid, okay? And go. Right. that is to go to the two-year-old race at Karaka at Ellerslie for the Karaka Millions and get on... You know who it is. Come on, say it, because you're probably on it. Are you on it? No, I'm not on. Well, you boosted it out. You boosted it out to four bucks to to win the two year old race after it won on the weekend. And uh, velocious. That's velocious. And the way that it won was Sam Spratt on the back on the weekend. You've got to tell me, no no chance of winning where she got stuck, and then to pull it out four wide and zip past them that she did in the last two hundred meters. Four dollars? You guys mad? Yeah. Well, now three dollars are not boosted uh, in that futures market for the Karaka Million two-year-old race. Look, I might just wait until after Thursday the meeting at Ortucky. There's a two-year-old race there, and um, there might be one or two um, who might just uh, jump up and uh, say, "Hey, 
this two-year-old race isn't done and dusted just yet. So, yeah, looking forward to the meeting on Thursday at Ōtaki and that two-year-old race in particular. And uh, hopefully there might be something that uh, jumps out of the ground and says, hey, I'm good to go. Don't worry about it. <laughs> what, else have, what else have you got for us, handbrake? <laughs> <laughs> So we've got a bonus back promotion uh, on the first two races at the Palmerston North Greyhounds today, back to second and third. And, well, there are two very, very short price favourites in races one and two. Uh, race one, out of the Lisa Cole Kennel, big time central, $1.55, has been very well backed so far. And if you go to race two, after the scratchings, there's only five runners in the race. Um, so... With the bonus back, uh, back to second and third, if you can't find a winner, surely you can find one that runs second or third and get a bonus uh, bet uh, back to, uh, for your troubles. The winner there, also out of the Lisa Cole Kennel, uh, number seven, big time white in race two, eighty at the moment. Um, so, yeah, but maybe you follow Lisa Cole. <laughs> you, you could probably say that every day, to be fair, follow Lisa Cole. Uh, but, yeah, two very dominant favourites in the first two races at Palmerston North today. Of course, the NFL with Monday Night Football uh, continues on today. And I can tell you, punters love the Vikings here. There's more than 10 times as much turnover on the Vikings in that head-to-head market where they currently sit at $1.59 than we've had on the Chicago Bears at $2.25. So plenty of action on the Minnesota Vikings. The number of multis finishing on the Vikings to win today as well. So plenty of punters out there hoping that the Vikings, without Justin Jefferson, of course, uh, and Kirk Cousins, hoping that they can get the job done. All right, Paulie. And uh, Premier League uh, action at 9 o'clock as well. Fulham Wolves, 3.10 on the draw is good money. Three of the last six between these two have finished even, and they look pretty even today too. They certainly do, as you say, 310 for the draw, 237 for Fulham to win that match. Uh, Wolves at $3.10. Uh, Fulham uh, have been the better backside in that head-to-head market, but not by a long way, to be fair. So um, I will um, go with your statistics there, uh, Ricardo. I don't mind the look of the draw there. And, of course, later on this afternoon or early evening, the first test match between Bangladesh and the Black Caps starts uh, the Black Caps $1.55 Bangladesh, and this is an understrength Bangladesh side as well with their normal captain, Shakib Al Hassan, out injured. Uh, Tashkin Ahmed, the leader of their pace attack, out injured as well. And Lytton Das uh, on paternity leave. So the Black Caps do meet uh, a somewhat inexperienced Bangladesh side today in that first test. The money, no surprises, is on the Black Caps at $1.55. Um, surely coming off uh, a very good World Cup in India where they, they'll probably have similar conditions in Bangladesh. Um, they're a good, good chance of picking up a win here, and that's where the money is. Black Caps, $1.55. Yep, so everybody jump on Bangladesh. Thanks, Paulie. All <laughs> good, boys. Cheers. Uh, check out all the odds, promos, and boosted odds at the Grand Tour Hub at tab.co.nz. Bet safely, R-Racing. That's a great song, Robbie, for Paulie Mawadi. Nicely done, Paulie. And uh, sorry, Robbie, I should say. Uh, Paulie will be back tomorrow. Ben Robb up next.
We're a quarter away from nine. The big rig, Ben Robb, is on the phone with us. And, uh, Ben, the World Darts Championship is coming up next month at Ali Pally. And uh, you've got a, uh, a qualifier in the uh, against Richard Venstra uh, to, to play first up, mate. How are you feeling about it? And uh, when do you head off? Yeah, no, I'm feeling good, bro. The, the draw could have been a lot worse, I guess. Uh, some big names in there. Uh, but yeah, even um, even the seed I got Kim Hybrix on the on the second round if everything goes well. So it could be a lot worse, bro. Yeah, um, but B- Belgian thrower. Uh, yeah, Belgian, bro. He was Belgian number one for a while before Dimitri came into the thing. So, and I used to always watch him. He's got a real good. He's got a real good action and scores big big scores, one eighties, one forties. So yeah, it's exciting to see the draw and even see um, Hopi. Um, Lukeman over there, and we're in the same bracket, so it's pretty exciting. And um, yeah, then I fly off um, this Thursday, bro. Well, it's not too far away. Hey, yeah, hey, no, not far away at all. Hey Ben, do you, do you get a bit of lip? Do you like you know guys are throwing one eighty and you're getting a little bit behind? Do you start throwing out a little bit of banter just to try and put them off? <laughs> nah, keep it the the, the banter is backstage, bro. It's, it's the pre warm up stuff and. You know, they're talking behind you. You can tell they're talking uh, indirectly to you a lot of the times, and it's a bit of a laugh. But uh, when you, when they have the breaks in between the sets and you go backstage and, you know, they try to puff out their chest a bit more and all that, but I just find it quite quite hilarious for myself. Yeah. yeah. So I saw a couple of blokes actually, um, they, they, they fronted up to each other up there on stage. You know, obviously saying yeah. a couple of things about not happy with the way that they they're throwing their darts and and that sort of stuff. Have you ever got into a situation like that when, mate, you you know you're getting you're getting on my nerves? I'm gonna I'm gonna let you know about it. Yeah, typically that's at the end of the game, and you know someone um, getting quite upset. Obviously they lost and they don't like losing. So even in the New Zealand scene earlier on in my career when I started playing darts, and you know you'd win the game and the old boy will be like. Oh, you better pull your darts out the ball before you shake my hand. It's bad etiquette and all this kind of stuff. And <laughs> you know, it carries on. They just, they just, they get a bit, a bit angry about losing. But you know, you just think of a grain of salt, shake the hand, and carry on. Well, mate, when you're six foot six and built like a, a brick outhouse, I guess you get less arguments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and especially in the world of darts, man, there's not many guys that will probably front up. Do you share? <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, I, I, I thought we should get you on to talk about this change that they've made for the world champs um, uh, that you're going to be taking. Pardon, and that is that the triple twenty uh, for the world champs at Ali Pali is going to be green instead of red. What do you make of that, mate? I didn't even know that was going on. <laughs> well, apparently, I'm going to have to re- I'm going to have to rotate my board and practice on the green part of the board. I guess. Yeah, well, it's, it's oh, because it's paddy power. I guess being the, the paddy power being green. I guess. Wow, I'm surprised they're allowed to do that. <laughs> well, apparently, it's, it makes you hit the hit the triple twenty more. The research they reckon shows that colour green sits at the centre of your visual spectrum, while red and blue at the either end make it harder to see. So they reckon green for humans uh, is they perceive it more accurately, which improves precision and decreases eye fatigue. Oh, that's a bloody reach, isn't it? <laughs> I, I reckon it. I reckon you're on the money, though. I reckon it's because it's patty power, and they've just made something up. <laughs> oh, man. If it's anything you want in a tournament, you want it to be unfamiliar to the professionals. You know, these guys throw the, the, the dart every day at the same spot. So if you want a change to happen, you know, it might even out the field a bit more than people realise. Something different to their eyes. 
yeah, well, apart from the pints of beer that they've got sitting next to them. <laughs> hey, only backseat, Kevin. He's strictly a Coca-Cola man, eh, Ben? Oh, always, mate. I don't, I don't even touch that other stuff. It's not for me, mate. Yeah. My body's a temple. Your body, my, my body used to be a temple. It's more of a cathedral now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. Uh, so uh, I was actually looking at the rest of the draw as well, and, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, that uh, Halpai Puha is playing uh, Martin Lukeman. If he wins, he gets to face Damon Hetter. Yeah, mate, and we're all bunking up together too, so that should be interesting. <laughs> so we're all preparing for the world together, and then we heard the draw this morning. I looked at the wife and I said, oh, that'd be interesting at the hotel now. Yeah, and you and, and elaborate, how come? Oh, so we've got an Airbnb, sorry. So we're going to a three-bedroom house close to the, the Alley Pally, and um, so if Hopewire wins, he's going to play our, our roommate in Damon Hetter. So there'll be a lot of banter and breakfast and, and on the practice board. Oh. It'll be quite interesting. And, and no, and the guys that know me, man, I'm going to, you know, I'll rock it up and get into them a little bit too. So it should be pretty fun. Oh, mate, it'd be fantastic. Well, listen, mate, best of luck. Um, travel safe over there. And we'll be uh, cheering you on from back here. And maybe we can even chat to you once you get up there, eh? Easy as Ricardo. Cheers, guys, for having me on. No yeah, worries, mate. Any time. Good stuff. The big rig, Ben Robb, uh, heading to the World Championship of Darts next month. We are nine away from nine o'clock when we come back in. Smith joins us. We're a few minutes away from nine o'clock, which means the doyen is about ready to take charge and run the cutter through till midday. Uh, he is ready to talk to us out of the Hawks Bay. Uh, good morning, Ian Smith. How are you, sir? Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, very interested to uh, listen to you uh, uh, for the last interview there with Ben, and uh, it was interesting listening to him talking about busing and staying in Airbnbs for a world championship, and uh, listening to I uh, just wondering whether Snakebite Wright and MVG and Co were they'll be Airbnbing, will they? <laughs> yeah, or catching a bus? Do you reckon, Smithy? Those, those blokes there would be sitting on a on a double decker. I don't think so. <laughs> it was just just the disparity between uh, people competing in the same event there. Uh, it reminds me, actually, of uh, a little bit of where I've been, uh, the rich and the, the not-so-rich, yeah. Oh, I was going to say the other thing, I don't know if you caught it, Smithy, but uh, in that uh, there's a story on Sky Sports UK that the treble 20 for this tournament has been changed to green, uh, right? Which, which is a big change for a sport that, your whole thing is, is is visual, right? You're just looking and throwing, throwing things at a circle. And the bit you need to hit now has changed from red to green. Uh, Rob didn't even know about it until I told him. That's interesting because um, I, I would have thought Treble 19 is, is also a pretty popular little spot. I mean, that's their bailout, isn't it? Once they yeah. get blocked on the 20 or they don't feel confident on the tops, they go straight to the Treble 19 and they're very good in that area. Yeah, they are. Uh, it was the funny thing was that Paddy Power are one of the sponsors. First thing Ben said to me goes, "Oh, is that Paddy Power? Because their their colours are green." All oh, right, um, yep. but well be. Apparently, the reason no? is it's to do with visualisation, and apparently, green is easier to see and it, it causes less eye fatigue. Okay, well, you learn something you every buy, day. Do you buy? Literally. Do you buy that? Ben didn't. <laughs> no, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Mate, uh, what about the test against uh, Bangladesh? The first one uh, of the new World Test Championship uh, gets underway at 4.30 the Savo. Mate, what do you you make of our team? That Bangladeshi team looks a bit underdone. It does, actually. It looks uh, well below strength, uh, a, a test team that I've seen coming out of Bangladesh. So I would, I would imagine we're, favor- we're favourites on the New Zealand TAB, and I think fully justified. I think our batting is, is very, very strong. And if we get half a start, I think we could score very, very big over there. 
Uh, I don't know too much about these pitch conditions because this is only the second test match ever played on this ground and it's been a while since the last one. So um, I, I would I would be thinking uh, their, their strength probably um, is around their medium paces. So I wouldn't be surprised to see there's a, a little bit of grass on it and perhaps it might help the seamers initially uh, for them. All right, mate. And uh, what do you got coming up on the show today? Right, we're going to learn as well. We're going to talk to a bloke by the name of uh, Julian David, and uh, Julian is a speed climber. Just qualified for the Olympics, actually. Just qualified for the Olympics, and uh, that's a great story with him and Sarah Tetzlaff have uh, qualified for um, after winning in Melbourne on Sunday. They're off to the Olympics, so it's a great story yeah, there. Awesome. So find out a wee bit more about speed climbing. Uh, we're going to be talking to uh, Scott Weenick very shortly. Here's the new CEO of New Zealand Cricket on this announcement yesterday where they were awarded uh, another Boxing Day test and four test matches against Australia, which for me, I think is historical, Ricardo. Uh, and we'll fill it, uh, the show, with uh, our normal little treats throughout. And we're going to also have, talk to Stephen Hunt about horse racing with Louis. So, yeah, we've got a busy show. Oh, that's all right, mate. Can you ask Scott Weenick, too, uh, if he's heard any more about how strong the South African team that's going to come here in summer is going to be? Yep. It's Beautiful. on the diet. It's on the agenda, man. Good stuff. Here's Araha with the latest news for Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now.